You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 535 for October 28th, 2020. This will be released, you know, pretty close to midnight on that day. But look, it still counts. On today's show, vocalist Allegra Levy. Five weeks from when you're listening to this, I will be on the road living in my van, whose name is Lenny, and traveling the country, possibly avoiding people, possibly interviewing some of them. We'll find out. But the only thing that's going to allow me to do all of that and to keep bringing you this show in new and exciting ways is for you to become a member. You can do that pretty simply. Just go to thejazzsession.com slash join for five or ten bucks. You get a membership, which includes immediate access to lots of bonus episodes. Plus, you get all kinds of cool early access and bonus stuff going forward. So please do that at thejazzsession.com slash join. Allegra Levy's new album features her lyrics to the compositions of trumpeter John McNeil. The album is called Lose My Number. In another life I could have been somebody, someone that you might have heard of. I wish you would remember. In another life I could have been somebody, someone that you might have heard of Or would you even notice If I had tried, pushed my fears aside Would stars align, fickle fortune would finally Allegra Levy, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thank you so much, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I uh, love this record, Lose My Number, uh, which uh, has just come out on Steeplechase. And it is, it's like super now, but it also gives me that warm, fuzzy feeling of the kind of really smart lyrical records that you used to hear kind of back in the day. So it's just this beautiful combination, I think, of you know what's happening these days because a lot of the subject matter well not a lot but a fair amount of the subject matter is uh topical explicit and feminist which i love and it also has that kind of really well put together lyrics over kind of angular melodies that you know takes me back to like the tin pan alley days when people still did that so i think it's a great great record and i guess i'll start after, now that I've not asked a question and just been complimenting you, I will start by asking if you can talk a little bit about how you decided to record uh, John McNeil's compositions, which is the the underpinning of the album. Well, thank you. I'm really glad that you you like it, and um, the description that you gave is really what my my goal was and always kind of is. I, I'm come from the standards, but I also try to have a nod to the progressive. So that's kind of what my intention was. So I'm glad you felt that. In terms of your question, uh, John McNeil's music has always really struck a chord with me in that it kind of gave me that feeling as well. Like it, it's always 
pushing boundaries and really makes you think, but it also is grounded in this tradition that gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling, or it sometimes will literally push you off your seat because you're like, how, how did this happen? Um, <laughs> how did you write this? And um, there've been so many times where I, where I would see him performing and hear his stuff and I would go home with this melody in my head and I'd be like, I think there are words to this, but I'm not sure. Many, many years ago when we first started working together, I had actually put lyrics to Live in Small, um, which is one of the, the tunes on the record. And, um, you know, actually what you hear on this record now, this version is slightly edited because it's been 10 years since I first wrote it. So a lot has changed in the world and in my life. But yeah, I always kind of had this goal that I would eventually do this crazy project. And I started with that song. Then I started with another song, which was on um, Down Sunday, was on Cities Between Us, uh, my second record on Steeplechase. And then suddenly I was like, I'm just going to sit down and write all nine of these. (laughs) um, But yeah, it's always been a project I've been interested in. And he's always been this kind of amazing wealth of information for me. And I just love working with him. He produced my first album. He did arrangements on my first album and my second album. And this was a different project where it was more of a collaboration, a little bit of a tribute to him. And also, you know, he, he guessed played on some of this. So that made it even more special for our relationship. Picture our life only living small. Cozy apartment for two. Though it may not be much, there's room enough for me and you. On our street lined with lampposts and trees. A walk up spine. As long as you'll still be mine Picture our life only living small We won't have pennies to spare But whatever we lack, we'll make up for with love and care. We'll be great. And if you don't mind me uh, complimenting you uh, one more time, and then I'll I'll try to stop. But uh, (laughs) one of the things about this record that I particularly like is that you really have to pay attention to the melodies to hear that some of them are quite challenging to sing because I don't think you make them sound hard to sing. You make them sound like they make perfect sense. But then if you actually sit there and listen to them and listen to, you know, some of the leaps between notes and just the way the, the snaky character of some of the melodies, they're not what we might consider standard in quotes melodies for, for vocal tunes. So I really, I mean, first of all, I think you pulled it off incredibly well. There's the compliment. And then let me ask you if there's any, <laughs> was any, I don't know, trepidation or adaptation or anything you had to do in, other, in order to make these fit so easily as vocal tune? Well, thank you for the compliments. I mean, I'm a woman. I don't take compliments well, but... Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm a but cis man and it. I don't take them well either. So I think it might be a <laughs> <Exactly>. universal <laughs> creative human quality, I think. No, I really, it means a lot that you, that you dug it. Some of these melodies were really hard for me to sing at first. And there's some, you know, like ukulele tune, 
was just in my head for years before I wrote the lyrics to it in full. And that song is like totally out of Tin Pan Alley um, in, in many ways. But yeah, some of them I was like, can I even do this? <laughs> like, it, it was tough, but I really wanted to live up to the challenge of making it sound like it was meant to be. Lyrics are wrong unless they sound like that. That's how I feel. They they really have to feel like they were meant to be there and that's how it was always intended and that they're married and the, the melody and the word. And it doesn't like put you on edge to hear something. Um, but yeah, I had to really get inside the melodies because I generally, as a composer, I write my melodies with my lyrics and often I'll come up with like kind of a complete thought that I build upon when I'm writing. So it, it the words and the melodies come together. So this was a totally different skill set for me where I, I had to kind of be like, okay, I have to put myself into the mindset of the composer of this melody so that I can hear what the words are supposed to be. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that it sounded like it was easy, but there's definitely work involved in it. And, and you can't really write successful lyrics unless you can sing those things in your sleep. Um, right. so I shed a lot <laughs> for that, but, um, but they are unbelievable melodies there. I mean, and there's so much that goes into the way that he writes and he does write things that he just hears. Like this is how his ears work. He just hears these things. So um, he's a genius. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad, <laughs> but, um, I'm glad there are those kind of people out there too, that f- this is just what they hear when they think this is how melody works. Right. Uh, that, that makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> Silvery Let's take a quick break from the interview so I can remind you to become a member. It's super easy. Just go to thejazzsession.com slash join. For $5 a month, you get early access to just about every show when I get my act together enough to give you early access, which is about 90% of the time. You also get a bonus track of the week episode each week featuring an artist talking about a track that they've just released or me talking about one from bygone days. At $10 a month, you get all of that. Plus, you also get an extra bonus episode each month, which can be just about anything. Sometimes it's a jazz writer or other person talking about a record that they like. Sometimes it's bonus material from past interviews, all kinds of cool stuff. So become a member today at thejazzsession.com slash join. Now, back to the interview. Thinking of you as I stroll down Fifth Avenue, if I could afford, I'd make you feel adored. see I'd buy you every dream 
<laughs> did uh, did John have any say or request any say, or did you offer him any say in the lyrical content? You know, did you say, hey, this is what I've come up with for this tune. Are you cool with it? Or was that not how it worked? It was definitely a collaboration. And I definitely wanted to give him say because, you know, it's a sensitive topic, putting lyrics to someone's melodies. It really is a personal, intimate thing. I wanted him to like them <laughs> more than anything. And there were some moments where he was like, that sucks. That was terrible. Why did you <laughs> write that? <laughs> Try again. <laughs> um, and I mean, but that mentality has pushed me to always strive for, for to be better. But he also was incredibly just kind of gracious and would let me go with my gut. If I really felt strongly about something, he he would definitely try to to see it and hear it and and ultimately liked it as well. Um, so it was definitely a collaborative process. And for some of the songs, I actually interviewed him about why he wrote them, you know, what the stories were behind them, um, because I could just tell that there was a story beyond what the notes said. Like Tiffany um, is an example of that, right? Yes. Yeah. Tiffany is an example and the lyrics really do, like some of them were plucked out of what I recorded him saying. He's walking down Fifth Avenue, walking by Tiffany's, and it's literally one of the lines because he gave me so much imagery in, in what I asked him that it was just easy to uh, to turn them into lyrics. And then there were some where I heard my own story in his melody, and I couldn't help but do that. <laughs> I couldn't help but but say like I could sing this because I feel like it's it's from my own body <laughs> like I, I feel so connected to this melody and he was welcoming to the idea of me imposing some of my ideas and own feelings to be able to really do them justice I mean you certainly applied some of your own I guess for lack of a better word politics to the album as well were you were you at all worried about anything you might say on the record not kind of aligning with you know the things he or others thought and it's it's kind of interesting to take a a, a white man's compositions and then put a, a feminist diatribe onto some of their <laughs> work um and i totally acknowledge that that's what some of it is john has always been someone to push boundaries and to strive for change and to fight for equality and um he was totally behind this and he he loved like there's one line at the end of lose my number that's like definitely explicit and he like loved it <laughs> like he, he was totally down and totally supportive of of making people feel uncomfortable in for the right reasons and he was down to have me work with a uh, an all woman band very supportive uh he's always been supportive of everybody no matter what they are gender wise and i think that really also drew me to him and he's always held me to an equal standard as all of his other collaborators so i appreciate that and and i think it it makes the i actually think the project is more powerful because of that you're making advances i don't welcome or we're on the floor and there are good chances I will soon have to show you the door. We're just dancing, not romancing, don't you dare. You're no better stare. So even though people say it takes two to tango, I'd rather dance alone. 
I wish when you held me it was only in highest esteem. Our previous dances, I was thinking I'm living the dream. While I'm dreaming, you were scheming all the while. That steps out of style. You mentioned the band, and this is episode 530-something of this show, and I think you have uh, brought in a first, which is a two-Carmen band. I don't think we've ever had oh, yeah. a double-Carmen uh, unit before, one of whom is Carmen Stoff, who uh, is a pal of mine and who's been on this show quite a few times. But will you uh, tell us about the band? Yeah, um, double-Carmen is what the next record should be called. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to give you credit for that. Um no, I, yeah, the band is unbelievable. I mean, yes, Carmen Stoff, I can't say more things about her. I always feel like uh, she has been my, one of my most important collaborators. She's been on every record that I've ever done and hopefully will for the foreseeable future continue to agree to, to work with me because I just, her, her voice as pianist is so integral to um, everything <laughs> that I create. Then she knew Carmen Rothwell and presumably because her. all Carmens know one another, I assume yes. there's some sort of all yeah. Carmens know each other, <laughs> like some sort of um, ESP oh. connection or something between all of them. Well, it definitely felt like that in the studio, I have to say. Um, <laughs> and then I had uh, I had worked with drummer Colleen Clark um, on through a friend of mine, Nicole Zoraitis, who's a fantastic singer songwriter, and her generations of her project, which. I ended up singing back up uh, on for a live performance and Colleen and I connected really intensely on that gig. And I just felt like I had to have her in the room because her energy was just so positive. It's it's like this explosive positive energy and Carmen, Carmen and Colleen, when we all finally got together and played together, it was just so easy um, and so fun and so badass, if I can say that. <laughs> you can. This is a safe safe space for slightly naughty language. Okay, excellent. Um, uh, but yeah, you can't have a jazz show without slightly uh, no. naughty and You language, can go. But... I mean, you can go all the way. Believe me, there. This show has had enough f bombs that I probably should have an explicit tag in iTunes. I just never took the time to put it on. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, you know what can we say? It's yeah, how it goes. But, it's the time um, we're living in. Yeah, it's it is the times we're living in too. But I think, yeah, they. I, I didn't only want to play with an all woman band because they were women, but because they were so incredible and they were the right people for this project. Part of why I wanted to play with an all woman band was because I have been on the leadership team of the Women in Jazz organization uh, since February, since actually, which actually predates the recording of the record. But I'd been doing work for them. Um, already and just kind of opened up my eyes to the the women community inside of the jazz scene and just what it could feel like to all get together and make music together and support each other and hire each other and try to um, make change on the scene that way and so I I really felt strongly that it was my my duty to to do that and um, I'm also this these also were the perfect people for the record and and you also can't really you can't really pull off a, a super feminist project without having those feminist voices behind you as well. So I did feel that they understood what I was trying to accomplish through my lyrics and played to it. 
I'd be interested to hear more about what you're looking for in a band. You, I mean, you talked about what you're looking for kind of in this band for this record, but you as a performer, what do you need behind you in order to make things work? The number one thing is, is a connection and trust. You know, I can't tell you how many times when I've gone into, well, gone on the bandstand or gone into a recording studio and I felt like, I was, it was not my project all of a sudden, um, even if it was my project, uh, and, you know, just not always getting my voice heard and not always communicating musically because we couldn't communicate, uh, intellectually in the way that you would hope. And that's, it's just a, a reality that I've experienced and I've had some unbelievable people I've gotten the chance to play with. But sometimes that isn't always the answer. You know, sometimes someone that really knows you well and someone you really connect with can make the better product and can make the better music because you are like having a conversation. So I think trust is really key. And even though, you know, I didn't know Carmen Rothwell that well, I didn't know Colleen that well. Uh, I knew Carmen stuff very well, but even not knowing them very well, um, they still allowed me a safe space to create and something like would lose my number that I, I don't do a lot of free improvisation, um, performing free improvisation, even though I did uh, do it a lot at NEC in learning, it wasn't something that I performed very often. Cause it's just like, you have to be in such a safe space and feel like everyone has your back. And that hasn't always happened. So this was kind of the first time I felt like, yeah, let's just dig in. Let's just go crazy. You know, you're here and we're, we're doing this together. This album came out in August, which, you know, is obviously right in, well, I was going to say the middle. Uh, there's no sign that it's the middle, but it was uh, deep into everything being shut down. So the kind of stuff that, you know, you normally do, uh, maybe go on a tour or do lots of live gigs, that kind of thing, um, obviously was either impossible or much more challenging. And um, I think you, as I remember, you did some, like, at least a live stream release party, other other ways, kind of unconventional ways that you've tried to get this music out there, given that the normal paths are kind of shut down? Yeah. Um, so we recorded this record actually almost a year ago today. It was like two days ago, a year ago. And I could never have foreseen what was going to happen in terms of a global pandemic. And it would have been nice to take this band on tour for sure. I would have really, really loved that. And we did this, you know, we did do the live stream at the Soapbox Gallery in Brooklyn, which was really 
tremendous. I mean, there's nothing like playing live and you, and I've forgotten that. Um, I, I, I think I was just so in shock and mourning from the situation uh, that was happening that I actually forgot what it felt like to play music live with other people. And when we went into that room um, and we started playing, it was like this uh, electric um, experience that was pulsing through my body. I mean, I was just like, I couldn't stop smiling for days afterwards. That's awesome. And it was different. It was different not having an audience right there, but I did feel like there was some energy coming from the other side and I knew that there were people watching which which does create something similar. I think it isn't quite the same for the audience members. I know I definitely lose focus when I'm watching live streams sometimes. I've also um, attended a lot more shows in my pajamas than used to be the case. Oh, for sure. I yeah. mean, the dress code is all <laughs> over the place. Absolutely. Um, no club like my living room. <laughs> but it is a good experience, I do have to say. <laughs> Not having to worry about what you're going to put on. <laughs> or what you're drinking or whatever. But there definitely are some advantages, I mean, to this kind of virtual situation that we've been sunk into. But I do think we have to be more creative. Like you said, you know, I think we have to kind of let go of what was and we have to embrace this new normal. And and some of us don't want to go back. I mean, there were so many issues with the performing arts scene and clubs and everything before so are we really desperate to go back to what it was before and how can we go back to something new and create something new? And I think I haven't figured that out yet, what the new thing is. I mean, I've been trying to do a lot more radio promotion. I've been trying to just tell people about it. I still have CD physical copies that I'll send out to people, but it definitely is a little bit sad to to try to promote it in the time of COVID too, because I just feel like there's so many other important things happening. And um, even though music is um, my life, our, our lives, it, it definitely has taken a back seat. But I, I think I am trying to figure out ways because I'm not sure if just changing a live concert into a virtual concert is the answer. I think we have to kind of come up with something more interactive for everybody, something that's specifically made for this kind of lack of interaction but gives you the same feeling. And I haven't figured out what that is yet, but I do hope that this record does get heard. And, and like I said, I have been pushing it more on the radio just because it was too much work and blood, sweat and tears to, to have it not be heard uh, by people. So especially John's beautiful compositions, you know, and I really, part of that project was to have this music that hasn't been recorded in a while, most of it, to give it new life. So I have to do my job of that. And I'm thinking, how could you do another careless thing? You're like an animal and you don't seem to care. Your disregard will bring doom and gloom. Now don't you... Let's take just a moment to thank the folks who make the Jazz Session possible, starting with you, the members who support it, and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music, and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him for voice work at hearchucknow.com. Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at the Jazz Session. Take a second right now to rate and review The Jazz Session wherever you get this podcast. It really improves my chances at reaching new listeners. If you'd like to keep up to date on everything I'm doing, poetry, podcasts, and more, subscribe to my twice-monthly newsletter. Go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. 
You can also follow my van travels at vanarchism.com. It's just anarchism with a V at the beginning. And now, back to the episode. your point about kind of creating a, a new model when i watch a live stream i just hire someone to sit behind me and talk and uh then <laughs> it perfectly recreates the ambiance of so many of the shows that i've been to um you know that you that thing about like candies. yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> you give them hard candies to unwrap and i have the sound effect of a cash register and... that just plays over and yeah. over again yeah something um, obnoxious that you can throw out <laughs> You know, that thing about um, kind of the idea of uh, taking up space and like how how we prioritize pitching the things we create over all of the other things. Um, this was kind of a topic that came up in the season premiere with Kat Torrin a little bit on a slightly different angle. But I've been thinking about it a lot in terms of like even of this show, because I can only do this show because there are members who support it and there are fewer members than there used to be because, you know, people are having a hard time financially and a lot of the members worked in the jazz industry and, you know, the, uh, much of their money has dried up. And so I'm kind of out there like pitching it to people, you know, hey, can you toss me five bucks a month to help me keep making this show? And it feels weird because there are, as you say, there are so many other things that require our attention and our support. And I sometimes feel like this isn't one of them. Like this is an absolute unnecessary luxury item, except that I also feel and I feel this way even more strongly about things like al people's albums that at this time, we we have to hang on to the things that remind us how beautiful existence can be and like for me music is the core of that there are other arts and other kinds of art i also enjoy but music is the thing that for me makes life not only bearable but uh worth striving to keep going in and so i i do feel that that tension between you know how do we pitch our art to people who are you know many of whom are in dire straits but I still think it's important, despite all of that. That's me mostly making a speech. But I'd be interested in your thoughts about it. I completely agree. And, you know, something that I've been working on for the past, I've been working on a few projects because I also spend a lot of time working for various nonprofits that are related to the performing arts. And they're really struggling right now. And one thing with the Women in Jazz organization is that we have had this very successful mentorship program every year where we basically reach out and take applicants from young women, non-binary people from universities. And we're talking about people who are 18, 19, 20, you know, they're just starting out, they're in school, they're studying this stuff. This is what they love. And we still had a huge applicant pool this year and they still needed the support. So we are running it again this year. We haven't, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic program, but it did make me think, you know, I was definitely getting dark about, you know, just like you said, it's like, 
it's so hard to be like, is this the, the priority when people are having trouble putting food on the table or losing their lives um, to a deadly disease? But I, I think this is um, an oxygen supply for many people. And it is something that gives the world humanity and separates us from all others. And we do have to believe in and support artists for sure. And that sometimes means believing in ourselves. And it is tricky. Like I said before, I think the models do have to change in terms of how artists are getting their support and how our countries invest in our artists and think of them as important and and essential workers. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it's interesting because I also do some work for the International Society for the Performing Arts. And I get this opportunity to see performing arts professionals from all over the world on Zoom calls several times a week and hear how different communities are supporting each other, um, how people who used to focus on global touring are now looking locally at their artists and, and seeing how to support them. And some governments are funding their artists in this time. And ours is uh, not necessarily <laughs> doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. We have to put boots to the ground. We have to we have to make sure that there are people who will listen. Um, there are people who will listen in terms of politics, and there are some foundations out there that are doing a lot of legwork, and it's just connecting the dots, <laughs> right? But yeah, I agree with you, and, and I think, you know, I tend to disparage everything about myself because I, <laughs> you know, I'm just like that, like most of these self-hating musicians. But... Um, <laughs> But I think it is it is important to to believe in ourselves and believe in our work. And we've been, you know, a lot of artists have been reaching out to each other and connecting and talking. And even if we can't play, um, I think that support is is essential. Allegra, as we bring this to a close, one thing I didn't really ask you about was your your relationship with John. You kind of hinted at it earlier at, you know, his uh, his importance to your musical life. But I'm just curious to know more about that. John is definitely one of my most important collaborators throughout my musical career. And he's inspired me so much um, as a musician. And he's also um, just an incredible person who uh, never, never gives up on anything. He's just, as I said, in one of my song, in one of the lyrics of my song, like the nothing's insurmountable thing definitely applies to him. It definitely applies to all of us right now. But since I've lived in New York, I'll go over to his place and we'll work through um, different tunes and, and talk about music. And then we'll off, often do this kind of cool scatting thing because he actually, there's something about him that, that nobody knows really, which is that he's a, an unbelievable vocal imp- improviser. Oh, wow. And uh, he can really scat around. And actually, we, unfortunately we took it off. Um, we actually did like a trading thing with him scatting and my scatting on CJ that I was hoping would be live at some point, but it'll have to be released in the outtakes sometime. But anyway, there's just, it was kind of an Ellen Louie type vibe. It was really funny and kind of crazy. And uh, it was awesome. And um, unfortunately didn't make it to on the record, but maybe someday we'll get to to perform it live (laughs) like that. Well, that sounds incredible. And now I desperately want to hear it. So that, that really sounds amazing. (laughs) 
My guest on the show has been Allegra Levy. Her new album is called Lose My Number. Levy sings McNeil. It's on Steeplechase. It's really fabulous. And if you're looking for uh, something that both speaks to the moment we're in and will also make you both think and feel good. Uh, this is the album for you. Allegra, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you'll come back on the show and uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Jason. Same to you. I really, it's been a pleasure. Will Thanks to this week's guest, Allegra Levy. If you value what you just heard, become a member for five or ten bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.